personal data journal of quantum mechanic Jason Gray, recording from the Crucible. Investigation into the causal collapse of reality 1610 has ultimately proven inconclusive. I will be returning to my long-term assignment of observation and reporting of events in reality 616. Computer, silence alarms. Send relevant data to my pad. Rewind collapse event detected in reality 1327. Primary fracture point centered around Jason Gray. It would all come back down to me, wouldn't it? Alright. Computer, have quantum mechanic Kelly Winters gather all relevant data on this fracture point and open temporal junction to reality 1327. It's time to go home. Welcome aboard, streamers. This is episode 7 of the Bloodstream. This week will be... Jason, I know this is weird talking to yourself, but you have to listen to me. Do I? Do I really? Have I ever in the past? Can you can the sarcasm for just 30 seconds? I can't stay here long because, you know, the whole you and me in the same spot, usually not a good thing. Alright, fine, get on with it. I have, to, I, I have a show to record. That's what I'm here to tell you about. You have to stop the Bloodstream. You can't record any more episodes. What? Why? I can't explain. It's a future thing, but if you keep doing the blood stream, you endanger the entire foundation of reality. Really? Me recording a, a show that has probably five listeners to it is going to endanger the entire fabric of reality? I can't get into why, but you have to stop recording the show. Are you recording this right now? No. Of course not. I'm you. I know when you're lying. So just stop the show, do something else, go back to Trisk. So Trisk isn't a risk. I can't believe I just said that out loud. Alright, fine. I'm done with the show. I won't record anymore. Happy? We'll see. But for now, I guess we're good. It was nice seeing me again. Hopefully we won't meet until you catch up with my timeline. Time? Alright, whatever. Look, streamers, we all know I'm not gonna listen to myself, so let's get into this week's episode. It's pretty easy to assume that I'm a horror guy. I mean, I'm sitting here recording a podcast about watching horror movies online. My other main project is reviewing horror movies from the 80s, so if you assumed I'm a horror guy, I wouldn't blame you. It's a, a decent assumption to make, and not entirely wrong. I do obviously enjoy horror, I'm so immersed in it. But what a lot of people might not realize is... Horror movies aren't my first love. I came to them late-ish, say around 10 to 13, partly due to parents not letting me watch them, and when I started watching a few of them, they utterly terrified the shit out of me, and I would hide under blankets, so I didn't watch that much. Until my brother-in-law forced me to watch an entire week of horror movies, which desensitized me, and here we are today. But my first love, my real love, is science fiction. I mean, it, it was always a lot easier to get into science fiction. You could be two years old and see Star Wars, for example. Specifically with science fiction, I've always been fascinated with time travel. I think, first of all, it can be an interesting plot device. 
Second of all, it raises a lot of interesting questions that science fiction deals with, especially having to do with free will, which if you're going to do proper science fiction, you better be asking big questions. So that's another reason why I find time travel interesting. But the problem with time travel is there have to be certain rules to it. You either have to come up with rules and stick to them, or kind of fudge it a little, and you can still have fun with without strict rules. But the problem with having too many rules for your story is it can really turn people off. I'll admit time travel can be confusing. And if you do time travel wrong, it's a massive headache. Break out the Oreos. Which is all a really lengthy setup for this week's movie. This week, I sat down and watched Rewind. The actual name of the movie is RWD. And if you think I'm going to say that every time I mention the name of this movie, I'm just going to call it Rewind. You know what I'm talking about. Rewind is an interesting mix of time travel, horror, and found footage, which... When I saw someone with mashing all these together, I absolutely love the idea. And done right, this could be amazing. Done wrong, it could be amazing. The plot of this movie is, you know what, I could come up with a plot off the top of my head, but the logline from IMDB and other places is such a wonderful description. Two men went searching for ghosts, but they found themselves instead. Now, since I've already ruined that this is a time travel movie, you can kind of assume what that's talking about. But I love how this starts out sounding like Brokeback Mountain, the found footage version. It is such perfectly apt description, and yet completely wrong, and also completely right. It puts images in your head, and let me tell you, if this was the story of two ghost hunter type kids going off into the woods, hunting ghosts, and going all Brokeback Mountain, this movie would have been amazing. I would be all for that story, that would, that would be a lot of fun. That would be its own unique, interesting story to tell. Let's have more gay ghost hunting adventures out there, alright? But ultimately, that's not quite the path this movie took. Not even close. Now that I've sat here and set things up, both for myself and the movie, I'm just gonna play the trailer, and I'll be back shortly. Dude, this would be like good to use. We could say it's like a gateway. Ghosts pass through it to get into our world. Like, that's how we could start the episode. Oh yeah, you're right, that's good. This is perfect. What? Chris? Look at this. So last week's episode, I commented on how it was really sparse with just one person in their apartment and I, I wasn't going to have a lot to clip. This movie somehow one-upped it with an inability to clip. It's not completely devoid of, of opportunities, but when you only have two characters and half of their storyline is running around an abandoned place fucking around, it doesn't give a whole lot of opportunities. Hell, this will be another episode with long stretches of me talking. I'm sorry. Weirdly enough, I didn't come up with a whole lot of opportunities to throw in other outside gags, but I got a few. Bear with me as I try to get through this. We've got Chris and Ricky, who 
I can almost guarantee at least once I'm going to call Rick and Morty at some point. I'm sorry for that. And they're two kids who kind of do their goat hunting show. And their big idea is they want to go off into the woods and kind of do pranks on the ghosts, which I don't know how that would work, but that's what they're going for. Maybe failing at that, they'll prank whoever they were come across and make them think they're ghosts, which that could be fun too. Another part of their show is that they occasionally read off listener mail or comments from their site. And somehow it always seems like they're a- answering dating questions. There was stuff in there I could have thrown in for quips, but it's ultimately unrelated to the plot, aside from trying to set up the characterization of Chris and Ricky. It just doesn't have anything to do with anything, so I didn't bother. Movie starts off with, like you heard in the trailer, they're standing around a wooden arch that is just standing in the middle of nowhere. There's no other structures around it, and it's just kind of weird in there, and they're joking about using it as a gateway. That plot doesn't quite come back on them, but towards the end of the movie, they do run through the gateway, so it at least, uh, signpost. But they start creeping through the woods, talking and BSing as kids do, crawling over a whole bunch of barbed wire fences, which should be the universal sign of stay out, but not when you're a kid. I did it plenty of times myself, so no judgment. After some more wandering, they find a spot in the woods that looks good to do some filming. Chris sits down and starts setting up the story of why they're in the woods in the first place. And that's our first clip. Hey, ghost goons. We're here in the Brute Woods because this is one of the top five places that you guys kept telling us to come visit because of all of the spiritual happenings, all the spooky stuff, the ritualistic drawings and the stones that people had seen, um, the ghosts that they were hearing and seeing. Uh, so we decided to come investigate. Basically, the story behind this place is that a uh, family of people in the 1950s uh, came through here in a caravan. Not caravan. <laughs> We're in the 1950s now. Okay, so what is the story here? So what horrific things happened? They broke down. Uh, there was no food around. They tried to survive. Eventually, the dad, who was a carpenter, he went crazy. Uh, you know, he hadn't eaten for about two weeks. He snapped. He killed all his family members and uh, was feasting on them, on their flesh, surviving on them for months. And of course, this attracted other animals that he was able to kill. He actually survived for quite a while and, uh, you know, eventually died from various diseases. But, uh, so how does this look? Is this, is this a good, is the sun like, flat, like flaring too much on me or does it look good? Um, I mean, you look like yourself, so I mean, you can kind of take yeah, that. No, but how, how fucking, like, basic, okay, you know how we have, like, a big audience of chicks, right? Do we? All right, well, at the very least, you, are you seeing some double chin as I look down to the camera, you asshole? No, the shadow's got that covered for you. Okay, good. To this day, people can still hear the sound of his saw cutting through their bones. Is his lip smacking as he enjoyed the tasty treat of, you know, his, his uh, innocent daughter and whatever else. But we're not here to find out whether it's true. It's definitely true. We're here to goof the ghosts. Was that good? We've also come prepared with weapons. Now you might be thinking, what are weapons gonna do against ghosts? They'll go right through them. In fact, ghosts will use weapons on you. That's very true. We just happen to be in meth country. Now as you can hear between the two characters in that clip, I don't know if it's just me, but you can kind of hear in their interactions Ricky sounds like he's interested in Chris a lot throughout this movie, which would have played in nicely with 
the description of the movie. Unfortunately, it, it all subtext and really under the surface, and I think it's there. I'm not entirely sure if it's just me trying to hear it, but I wish they had played that up just a little bit more that Ricky has feeling for Chris, if that was an intentional thing in there. Doing so would have also been a good way to red herring if you're coming in from reading that description and then swirling into where this movie goes. They screw around in the woods some more and finally the camera starts glitching, which is kind of overdone, but at the same time is one of my favorite indications in found footage movies that something spooky is about to happen. Sadly, it takes a while to kick in here, but it's at least a warning sign. The kids finally come across this house they've been looking for and sneak through more barbed wire fences into the family's backyard. This family is supposedly related to the family from Ricky's earlier story, so the kids are basically looking to do an interview to set up the stuff they're looking into. They wander through their backyard, come up to the back door, knock on it, and you know what? This starts out sounding really creepy and invasive when you think about two kids wandering through the middle of nowhere, sneaking through this family's backyard, knocking on their back door. It sounds all out of the blue, and I was really getting annoyed at these kids just wandering through. Eventually they do come around explaining that they did set up this time to interview. They should have done that first because I'm just thinking, these punk ass kids. And I mean, why the whole theatrics and rigmarole with wandering through the woods? Why not just get into a car, drive up to the house and knock on the front door? Especially if you've set up an interview with them ahead of time. I can get wandering through the woods to do some b-roll stuff, but it just seems over the top to do it the way they did it. But it does still manage to be pretty weird and creepy as there, no one answers the door and the kids start looking in through all the windows. Which, if someone is home, that's gonna be weird enough. They lurk around for a while, waiting to see if the family shows up, which they don't, so after an hour, they decide, okay, we gotta call these people, see what's going on. But before Ricky can call, his phone starts to ring, and it's from Chris, who's standing right in front of him, not making a phone call. Which leads into the next clip. Has it been an hour already? Should I just call these people? Yeah, I guess just call them. All right, I'll film it because I am the cameraman. People always love this. It could be mysterious. You never know. Chris, what? why why are you calling me? Did you just butt dial me? What? How do you butt dial me with an iPhone? I'm not calling that you. That doesn't make sense. Do, uh, oh, you're not calling me? Hey, Chris. But it's worth a shot. What? Listen, that's not me. There are many. Uh... Dude, what? This is... You, dude, this you're is not even not, showing up in my call what, history. Why are you trying to prank call me? I'm not. When I'm making a phone call and dude, you're I, don't, I really don't know how that make would even sense. happen. It makes no sense. It's, yeah, it really is super I know, bizarre. I, mean, I know you called me. I saw everything. It's... What'd I don't you, know. What are you looking at What are you talking about? What did you see? Ricky. Yeah, you're not in here. What? You're not in here. I need you. What? What? Ricky, save me. The fuck? You're a ventriloquist. Why didn't you what? tell me? Why didn't you tell Help me? me, bro. What are you talking dude, dude, about? Stop that. Oh, it's freaking me out. Stop. Hell. Stop. What are you talking about? Is this stop. a bit? Stop moving your mouth. Stop. Stop. Ricky, don't let me die. Dude, stop. Stop. Dude, what the hell? What the fuck? Did you just see that? What? So they chase after the figure they saw running through the backyard, and when they get back there themselves, the person has disappeared. Now they make a big deal about wondering where could this person possibly have gone. 
I'll come back to yelling about that later. Try me. Finally, they get another phone call that's from the family, and surprise, they're on vacation because Chris gave them the wrong date. The movie never goes too much more into this, and I guess the assumption is just that Chris is a screw-up. Considering where you already know this is going with time travel, I kinda wish future Chris, who had come back to the past, had made the call to give them the wrong date to reschedule, just so this would all tie into each other. Would've been easy enough to do, but it didn't quite go there. Since their day is wasted, they start hiking back, and since they're kids, they're goofing on each other, playing pranks. So Ricky gets a little bit of revenge on Chris for the things he did by first of all revealing the weapon he brought through meth country and by pointing a loaded gun at his friend. Which leads us into the next clip. Hey Chris, dude, what the fuck? This is uh, revenge for that little, that little bug spray. Dude, is that actually a real gun? <laughs> of course it's a real gun. I'm protected against the homeless. Uh, okay, I thought, okay, you're not supposed to actually like point that like at someone and boom come on bro i mean it's loaded but it's not cocked it's fucking loaded they get comfortable for the night they start answering some viewer mail the camera starts glitching so i guess whatever ghosts are lurking in the woods don't approve of chris's dating advice since they're in the woods it's late at night and they don't want to have the day be a complete waste of time they decide to do some ghost hunting in the woods which is a brilliant idea Along the way, they find the Blair Witch's grain silo in the middle of nowhere, which isn't on any of their maps. And hey, let's go investigate it. Things start to get weird with the camera, colors getting way off. Ricky pans around trying to figure out what's causing it, and when he looks back to the silo, Chris has disappeared. Ricky looks around for Chris, probably assuming he's going to prank him again at any second, and starts going toward the lowest window to crawl into it, much like Chris probably did. And the closer he gets, the more the camera starts screwing up, going from the infrared view to more like ultraviolet. The more static there is, so of course his first inclination is, yes, I'm going to walk into this anomaly. Ricky walks through the static interference, which I want to know what this looked like without the camera. That would have been interesting, but I digress. On the other side of missing though, Ricky finds himself in a abandoned building warehouse office type structure, which doesn't really correspond with the silo above and seems a bit much to build completely underground. Not unheard of, but, you know, a little bit odd. Naturally, he starts calling for Chris and the cries start to echo, but they don't sound right, which is kind of cool. I mean, I mean, terrifying. There's a lot of wandering through this abandoned place. He finds arrows on the wall, so he follows those. What else are you gonna do? Chris finally decides to get the plot back on track and shows up and leads Ricky into a classroom type area. After more exploring, it gets back to the running gag, which I haven't really talked about, of Chris needing to take a piss every five minutes. He goes wandering off on his own to find the place, which is always when the best stuff happens. So of course, there's loud crashes and screaming, which sends both of the kids running around, calling out each other's name. It looks like they're sometimes in the same area, but it's really hard to tell with found footage, you know, you're whipping around, their geography isn't super clear, and that could be just from filming, or it could be intentional. Either way, it's unsettling, and it works. Chris runs into a room which looks to be some sort of workshop, and the power is on in only this one room. A loud alarm starts going off, lots of cackling and other noises off in the distance. Ricky finally finds the workshop himself, and Chris is futzing about on a laptop in the room, and he disappears in a puff of static and light. Ricky creeps around to see where his friend went, maybe, you know, he somehow ducked under the desk or something. And the laptop is just giving off so much something, electromagnetic energy or whatever, that 
it blinds the camera. And that's when Chris reappears at back at the doorway with Ricky. Another Ricky. You're me from the- From the future! The future. <laughs> yes, down in the future, past sworn enemy! And before he can really take in the fact that he just met himself, Ricky also disappears and rewinds through the movie. He finds himself outside, it's daylight, and Chris is sitting next to him and pretty much just as shocked as he is. They decide since it's daylight, not realizing that they've gone back in time. Spoiler alert, let's go back to the Excalibur lighthouse and check it out now that they can see what they're doing. And that'll be the next clip. What would you even call that? Was it like a silo? Like some kind of a silo? Yeah, it's like a silo. Okay, okay, so silo. you're gonna be there. Yeah. And you're gonna, you're gonna look over from there? All right. Take like two steps back. Oh, like go back even further? Yeah, yeah. And action. No, 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 that was too like, eh, whatever, like too casual, you know what I mean? All right, do it more, more intense, but talk to the camera. Oh, like talk. People get you know, bored when you don't talk. Don't ignore the audience, right. Yeah. Um, and okay. action. Now that it's daytime, we're gonna explore the tower once again to see what other secrets we can find, to see what other spooks happen. And cut. Now we come up for the close-up. Yeah, yeah, get, get a close-up. All right, hold on, let me, let me adjust some settings okay. here. Uh, yeah, it's a little, it's pretty good right there. Okay. See, make sure what about my face? Yeah, just so when you're like going back and forth and stuff. Yeah, I want to make sure it's not getting blown out. Yeah. All right. All right. You ready to go back inside? All right. Oh, I'm going to follow you in from... Actually, that was shitty. That was shitty. That was shitty. Go back. Oh, yeah. That was definitely shitty. <clears throat> All right. I'm just kind of excited, you know? And so I'm like looking at you. I'm like, dude, we're going to do it. We're going to be so famous. And we're going to be taken into stalls by hot chicks. <clears throat> Three. Two. Let's go back inside. What the fuck? What? What is it? What? What the hell is that? <laughs> and since visual mediums don't quite work in audio format, the answer to what is that is basically the tower is filled with water up the ground level, which raises any number of questions. After wandering around and BSing some more, weird shit started picking up again when they find another Chris from the start of the movie taking a leak. And the Chris we're following, Chris number one, I guess, decides to screw with himself by throwing a rock at him. Chris Prime and Ricky Prime continue following themselves through the woods, completely fascinated by this ordeal. And fortunately, it's not like watching a normal time travel type story where they do this and we would see all the exact same conversations from a different perspective. It is a little of that, but instead of just the same scenes we just watched 35 minutes ago, they instead play stuff that would have been, you know, just them wandering through the woods, shooting the shit. That would have been edited out in their final cut or whatever you want to call it. It cuts down a lot of repetition you can get in time travel stories while still getting the point across. But as they're following themselves through the woods, Ricky kind of gets the idea that he recognizes Chris's ass, which again really would have played up well with the description of the movie. They tried to set it up that way and just never followed through. So frustrating. They sneak around the house some more watching themselves and it eventually is revealed that the creepy messages from earlier is just future Chris prank calling Pat Ricky. 
on the one hand, it's a bit of a letdown that it's not more supernatural, spooky, creepy than that, but since the whole point of these guys is that they like to play pranks, it actually makes sense. But anyway, he recognizes Chris's ass and realizes that was who he saw running away at the farmhouse. So we've caught up with the earlier scenes of the movie, and we see that the stranger disappears by basically running into the house. Kind of takes the whole mystery out of, there's nowhere he could have gone that they set up earlier, doesn't it? The movie circles around all the earlier scenes at the house and pretty much answers every question the kids raise, like, you know, where did the person disappear? Why is that window open? Where are these phone calls coming from? How come I can't get no tang around here? After Chris and Ricky number two wander off to find the Babel Spire, Chris and Ricky Prime sit back to answer viewer mail. Because why not? You're time traveling. Let's answer questions. They are being super casual about just having slipped through a time loop. They get spooked out when they see some other versions of themselves and realize, wait, we haven't done that before. So there's other versions in this? Who are you? I'm you, from further in the future than he. We suddenly cut back to the abandoned place underneath the Excalibur lighthouse, and we see that basically everything that they encountered the first time through was just themselves running around being dicks to themselves. Not gonna lie, that's kinda awesome, hilarious, and absolutely something I would do if I started time traveling. Wait, have you gone to see the dinosaurs yet? No, I haven't. Will you go to see the dinosaurs next after this? As soon as I'm finished with you, I will. The movie finally catches up with when they first fell through time, and we see themselves meeting themselves again, this time from the future perspective, and things don't play out the same way as they did before. Because Chris comes up, punches Ricky in the face, and Ricky runs back off through the building, instead of falling through time. And, um, that, that's not good. That's, um, that's a, a really big problem. Let's listen to what happens in the next clip. Chris? Dude, what, what the fuck just happened, man? Total mindfuck, right? What? What? Oh! What the fuck? What the fuck? Dude. Dude, you are a crazy fucker. I know, dude. Oh my god. Also, fuck awesome. you for punching me in the face. Oh, come on. That wasn't actually you. It used to be me. That was me, like... It doesn't count. I mean, continuity is so fucked now. No, that doesn't it's, count. Who knows what's what, who's who. What? Uh, I don't oh, even know. you know what we should do? Dude, we should totally just go and... Hello? Where am I? Did you see the zombie walk? You're a fucking maniac and a pussy at the same he time. Totally it's incredible. Himself. Oh, without a doubt, dude. Dude, I fucking hate zombies. That was. 
<laughs> uh, dude, I wish the ultimate irony. I know, dude. I wish we had come out at the cemetery. Oh, we could do like fuck. a Night of the Living Dead thing. How'd I look, dude? Oh, dude, it was. Oh, no, check it out. Check it out. Check okay. It out. And again, since there's a lot of visual stuff, what's going on is we see from Chris's camera. I'm not sure which Chris this is at this point, and he sees himself coming towards himself. So it had to be a path version which hasn't quite encountered time travel yet and is now seeing zombie Chris coming after Chris. Then Ricky appears and they start running straight for the Chris we're in the, the perspective of. He freaks out, runs. It cuts to the cameras of the chasing Chris and Ricky and we find out it's just yet another prank of themselves on themselves. And I am coming dangerously close of losing track of which witch is which at this point. I feel like with punching Ricky, which didn't happen before, and sent him off to not go through time, which screws things up, and the zombie prank, which we didn't see before, and going on to do new pranks on past selves that don't remember time traveling yet, I really feel like time is about to be completely rent asunder by these two clowns. We see Chris come upon a version of himself taking a nap, and he stabs himself. This this takes self-loathing to a whole new level. But then, oh, it gets even crazier. Because a third Chris appears and backstabs Chris Prime. Literally. Ricky pulls out his gun and shoots Chris number three, rushes over to the field of dead Chris's, and oh, this is so not good. Fuck no, where's my hammer? Mary, <laughs> I beg you to think of what you're doing. If you reject me, you're only really rejecting yourself. If you break my bones, you're only going to break your own. Yeah, my gay bones. Yes. The scene rewinds and we watch it again, but it plays out a little bit differently. Because as Chris number three is about to stab Chris Prime, Ricky appears and shoots Chris number three before he can stab himself, and then proceeds to shoot his past self, who he knows is about to pull the gun and start shooting people. My head is about to explode. This is paradoxing all over the place. While I'm on the one hand thinking, why would you do any of this? On the other hand, I start to realize once Chris is punched in the face and runs off and it doesn't have other Chris blink out because they changed time, they realize they can do stuff to their other selves that basically has no consequences. When you give teenagers consequence-free reign to do whatever, they will literally do whatever. Usually they'll even do whatever when there is consequences and they don't realize it. And once you realize you can kill yourselves and get away with it, yeah, I actually kind of get that viewpoint of doing it. Night falls and they decide to head home and get out of this causal nightmare, but they start to hear taunting from the woods, turn around, and they're being followed by three separate Chris's. My head hurts so much right now. Another Ricky shows up to help with the Chris's of Infinite Woods, shoots a few of them, and then shoots himself. I mean, I know a cameraman always likes to get the shot, but that's going a bit too far. They find a car, which I have to presume is their car, but there's been absolutely no setup whatsoever for any car at all in this entire movie. As I'm busy pondering whose car it is, it drives off, so I guess other 
future selves of themselves knew they were going to go for the car and throw it away and <laughs> oh god the paradoxes also it occurred to me at this point they've been out in the woods for like three days doing a lot of recording how many batteries did ricky bring with them there's a whole lot more self-murder as they run back for the tower to, I guess their only plan at this point is to travel back in time again even further to try to get to the car before they get to the car to stop themselves from getting to the car. They make it back to the time pewter with the alarms going off, more of them dying along the way, and our final clip. You're still recording? I told you, you have to stop. And you also said you know me, so you shouldn't be surprised by this. And what is so important about this podcast that I have to stop it? Grife, it's not the podcast that's important. It's you. You're what's important. You are destined to do greater things than this if you don't get distracted by these little things. There's so much more waiting for you than this. A battle beyond the stars, the quantum mechanics, an oncoming war involving legions, the coming of Desdenova, but the choice to follow that path is yours. Or rather, maybe it's mine. Oh god, oh god, oh no, 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 I, 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 I just, I just, I just killed my, I killed myself. Okay, okay, maybe, maybe he's, maybe I'm... I know how I die. Oh my god. Okay. Okay. M- maybe. Maybe he's not dead. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm not. Uh, I can't. Oh god, my head. Okay. Let me. Let me see if he's. God, I don't know the rules of time travel. Is it even safe to touch him? Ah. Shit. Heck. Okay. Let me. Let me check his pulse. At this point, what's the worst that can happen? It's already a paradox. Oh god. Oh god. Oh god. Oh god. There's no pulse. There's no pulse. Life signs terminated. Activating temporal return protocol. It, 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 the body's gone. How would I? I don't know how I would have explained me being dead. Okay. All right, streamers. Uh, um, give me a second to compose myself, and and I'll get back to finishing up the show. Um. Okay. Okay. Where was I? Uh, Ricky makes it back in time, but Chris is nowhere to be seen. He does finally show up, but something seems really off. Ricky's phone goes off again, and yes, of course it's Chris calling him, because that's what this movie is all about. Massive paradoxes. And that's how the movie ends with a phone call from Chris while Chris is standing right there. Because why not? So many questions. Just, just with the final moment, what happened to Chris? Where did he go? 
When did he go? What's up with the other Chris? Why did time travel make them murderous assholes? Are, are the two kids just stuck in Paradox Forest forever? The credits are short, and they promise that Chris will return in Rendezvous with Death, which, if you're clever, you'll notice that's RWD. I see what you did there, movie. And since there's like, still seven minutes left to go with the runtime, there better be- Ah, ooh, good. One more clip. No, not a- ah. Get the fuck off me. Now we're even. That, that had to be the last one, right? I fucking hope so. <laughs> so, rewind. There is some genuine goodness here. I love the idea. I love mixing time travel and horror. And doing it found footage style is interesting. Plus, since you only see one character at a time because the other one's behind the camera, it can actually be used effectively when other versions show up in front of the camera that the person is supposedly holding. That has to be a good reason to go found footage with this kind of movie. That's a smart use of the format right there. Also, the movie is structured pretty well. The first act is all set up, introducing the two characters, giving you a lot of weirdness and questions to ponder. Act 2 brings in the time travel and answers all those questions. And the third act is just pure straight up mayhem. But the problem lies in the second act, where they answer every single question of weirdness that they set up, which pretty much leaves them with no other choice but to screw around and progressively mindfuck the audience more and more with ever-increasing paradoxes in the final act. Beyond we went on a time travel adventure and pranked ourselves, there's really not a story here. And the third act, as fun as it is to watch all that chaos, really highlights that fact. They had questions, they answered them, and then they had another 20 minutes to kill, so they killed for 20 minutes. Which I kinda love, really. I'm all for, you know, just chaos and mayhem. But I would have preferred more explanations, backstory, anything. Or more reasons of why this was going on. What was that facility? Why was there even a laptop down there? How did this all start? And maybe leave something that makes a little bit of sense. You've answered your big questions of the kids going around pranking, you've got 20 minutes left, instead of just 20 minutes of pure chaos and mayhem, which is fine, you could have instead told an actual story, and not just done a 20 minute long murder spree that ends in nothing. It's really great, ingenious ideas that don't really know how to end. But there's a lot of fun! I give them credit for trying some inventive ideas, the two characters are actually pretty decent actors and mostly likable except when you kinda start thinking, God, they're kind of dicks. There's a lot of opportunities here that just they didn't quite pick up on. I wish they kind of played up more of the they find themselves angle for both ways that could be taken. It's an inventive movie with good ideas that just ultimately left me unsatisfied. I can't say don't check out Rewind. You'll have a lot of fun watching these two kids run around and, and just be utter chaos engines for half a movie. But really, the movie ends after that second act. And it could have been so, so much more. I would genuinely sit down and watch a sequel about what happened next. Especially if it promised to explain more of where this place even came from and what was going on. And that was Rewind. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Bloodstream. Uh, I'd like to thank myself for helping myself make this episode about myself. You can like and subscribe to The Bloodstream on iTunes. 
you can find us at triskedecafiles.com, my home on the web. We have a Facebook group where you can join us and chat up. I give updates on what I'm doing and what is delaying each episode every week. If you have any suggestions on stuff that's on Amazon or Netflix that you'd love to see me watch, drop me a line. I would absolutely entertain anything you have to suggest. You can find the show on Tumblr at thebloodstream.tumblr.com. I post there occasionally, and sometimes I'll even give sneak peeks of what I'm doing. You can shoot me an email at phoenixfoenix at gmail.com for suggestions or whatever. That's going to wrap this episode up. I'll see you in about a week. Take care and keep streaming.
personal data journal of quantum mechanic Jason Gray, addendum. Damn, I forgot how lucky of a shot I can be at times. Thankfully, the doctors of the Crucible are the best throughout time, and they have technology far beyond what Jason has in his time or I would be dead. That was a mortal wound otherwise. I was really hoping I wouldn't shoot myself again, but... I tried to warn him, but it all happened. Just the way I remembered. That's the thing about time travel. It has a nasty tendency to stay on track. I remembered meeting myself, and that's what sent me down the path to discover who the quantum mechanics were. I had to meet myself, or else I never would have become... me. He has a long road ahead of myself to get where I am now. But that's a story for the future. Personal log, end recording. <sighs> what do I have to deal with next? Missing time chicken. No, someone else can handle that. <sighs> Let's check in on reality 1692. Looks like some junk heap in the post-apocalyptic future. This should be interesting.